Previously on the Second Line edition of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. I am going to get to our most recent tradition, and that is my irrelevant story of the week. I am not a fan of the uh, Sonic drive through lane at the Sonic drive-ins. I think they're ridiculous, they're stupid, and no one should ever use them. I always... I always come back to Chick-fil-A. I don't know why, but I love their customer service, and I know that's a place I can always depend on. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a personal thing, and and, and you know that how you how you make the coffee for yourself, the cream or whatever you're gonna put in it, um, and now you're leaving it to someone else to make. God, no, no, I just I can't do it. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to this haven of hockey, this safety net of sports talk. This magical world that we like to call the Pro Hockey News Podcast. I am Richard Cote, your guide through this second line edition of the podcast. And I got a couple of people to help me guide you through the rough waters. That is Pro Hockey News. And that is the publisher of the website, Lou Lafredo out in Albuquerque. Lou, how are you? I'm doing great, Richard. I guess uh, you've been following the Merriam-Webster Twitter feed. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and also joining well. us out in New Jersey, we have Danny Jones. Danny, how are you? Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me again, guys. Oh, glad you can make it with us this, this uh, week. So, like we like to uh, start here on the second line, our uh, obligatory random story of the week. Uh, it's not so much random. It's uh, something I'm dreading coming up here in the next week, week and a half. And that is the end of the Stanley Cup final and my dead air time. Well, not dead air time, but dead time between when hockey ends, when hockey begins, and mostly my dreaded time of year for, I really hate the summer. I really do. I I can't stand the heat. Uh, I used to when I was younger, but anymore, if it gets above 80, 85, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm on the struggle bus. So... I'm thinking of ways to to pass this summer to make it go by a little bit quicker because I love cold weather. I love cold weather sports. I snowboard. I play hockey. Um, I just I love being out in the cold. And I'm looking for suggestions. And any listener out there, if you want to throw me any suggestions, you can find me at Cote 14 underscore PHN. Let me know how you get past your off season or what will make the summer pass by just a little bit quicker because this is just my dreaded time of year. But before you guys do that, before you get on the uh, good old Twitters and send me those messages, I'm going to throw this out to you, Lou. How do you pass the summer and how do you survive the off season? Oh, this year, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm actually in two bands now um, out here and just formed up a new one uh, at, of all places, uh, the Blue Grasshopper up um, uh, just outside of, of Albuquerque. Uh, it's a really kind of cool uh, uh, pizza joint and microbrewery. And uh, Tuesday nights they have open mic, and we've put a little band together. Uh, we are now called the Crimson Lass. Uh, yeah. It's one of the brews on the list. And uh, as it turns out, our lead singer is uh, is a redhead. So Sandy, is uh, she's doing a great job singing for us. Uh, so it's the Crimson Lass, and we're doing three, four songs a night on Tuesday nights. So that's how I'm spending my off my off season this year. You know, that's a great explainer of how to get by in the off season and to pimp your band at the same time. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
Danny. Do you know how long it takes to find a, hang on. Do you know how long it takes to find a band name? <laughs> that, that everybody agrees on? No, that, that hasn't already been taken. Oh. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah, if you're a solo artist, it's easy. Just use your name and maybe throw band in there somewhere. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Danny, how do you spend your off season and how do you pass the summer? Uh, well, big kudos to Lou is a way he passes time in the summer is creating a band. I don't think many people just do that. Um, and, uh, I would be one of those people and I'm actually going to stand up for the pro summer people here because, uh, <laughs> while I love winter sports, I like the winter Olympics when summer Olympics, uh, you know, sports are better, but, um, for me, when it's nice out, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, just like, just, I have to be out in the nice weather. You know, if you're just going to like, you know, like a rooftop restaurant or if you're just even like you're hanging up on a porch or a deck, something like that. I'm all about when it's uh, when it's a nice day out, the, you just feel so much better. And uh, I mean, hockey wise, it's, uh, you know, you're in the off season, of the NHL, which is poor. But again, what I have is uh, I like I play in a men's league and I also have that at nights at the very convenient time of 1130 at night on a Tuesday. <laughs> but you get to play nonetheless. And, and being from New Jersey, uh, there's a lot of a lot of kids from here that are they, it's kind of unfortunate because they come home from playing college up in the northeast, like, at, up at you know, UMass and up at a, like, you know, some club teams of BC and stuff. So when they come and then we get our, our men's league team together and like, you know, we're, we're, we're decent. We're not bad. But then these kids come and they're on like the club team or they're like D one healthy scratches and they're just skating rings because we have full-time jobs during the day. <laughs> but uh, I mean, but at the end of the day, I still love playing uh, men's league uh, late at night and the summer is always been the, like, the best time to play. See, I guess I'm dreading this summer the most because right now I don't have a men's league to play in. Uh, I can't find one that plays within the hours that allow me to do it, which is yep. basically Friday and Saturday, actually anytime Friday or Saturday. Uh, most of the leagues around here play weekday nights at about 930. And that's like two hours past my bedtime. So uh, I would be phenomenal. It's, I just, you know, our times around here, they're really just like 1130. You play the game and then naturally have a beer or two with the boys afterwards. And then you get home and it's like 130 in the morning. And right, the heart's still going from playing. You're like, oh my god, that's when you got to take a nap beforehand and then go play and then go to work. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> for for me, I I still do activities in the summer. And don't get me wrong, when the weather's like 70, 70 is good. I like that. Sixty five to seventy, that's my comfort zone. Uh, I like to get out. I'll, I'll play a little bit of golf, even though I'm horrible at it. But I also play hockey and I'm horrible at that, too. But I enjoy it. So that I, I do that. I play a little bit of roller hockey, too, during the summer. But let, let's face it. Roller hockey is nothing like ice hockey. And when you're trying to explain to somebody that you play hockey, you shouldn't have to, you know, um, you shouldn't have to elaborate that it's not roller hockey, that it's it's actual ice hockey. And when you're talking about roller hockey, you always uh, put in the roller to let them know that it's not ice hockey, but they're, they're not the same, but when you can't do one, the other one, you know, no roller hockey is definitely better than no hockey is, is that's my, a, my that's exactly how I feel. They are, there are two different sports in a sense. They're not just hockey. They are two completely different sports. And um, the only, roller hockey is kind of convenient sometimes though, because it will be, it's earlier hours. It's much cheaper because they don't have to pay for ice time. And 90% of the times the refs there, are your age and they don't care they're just like leaning over the other bench and just chatting with the guys that they know it's a little bit more relaxed but the whole vibe's different it's a little bit more expensive inexpensive but you know at the end of the day at least you're playing though it's it is what it is 
Yeah, it is what it is. And it's just, it's activities to help me get through that summer just a little bit faster. So listeners, if you have any tips, any activities that you like to partake during the summer to make it pass by a little bit quicker, again, please message me because I would love to know how to get this dreaded season over faster. So with that being said, let's dive into some hockey news here and let's start with the ECHL. They have uh, continued on to their Kelly Cup final. We have Colorado and we have Florida. The Eagles lead the Everblades 2-1 to one in that series. Uh, let's, let's take a look a little bit at, at what's happened. It took uh, an overtime game, um, I believe it was last night, as we're recording this, Wednesday night, um, uh, for Colorado to take the series lead over Florida. Lou, what, what have you noticed most out of this series uh, between Colorado and Florida? Actually, I don't know that it's so much about the series as it is about the Eagles in general uh, in the postseason so far. They're seven and one in overtime games, um, which is the most wins by a single team in a single postseason in ECHL history. Um, I think that um, them going in and stealing home ice back uh, from the Florida Everblades down there in Estero, Florida, is just uh, huge for them and. Now I think you're looking at them uh, heading out of the ECHL with a with a Kelly Cup under their belt. Another one. Actually, uh, no, they don't necessarily have uh, home ice back because if they win the next two games, which are both down in Florida because they're doing the 2-3-2. Right. Uh, uh, the next two games would give Colorado the series win and they would not come back to Colorado. Florida's up. Uh, no, Colorado's up 2-1. Right. And they're in Florida. Correct. So if they win the next two in Florida, Colorado wins the series right. and they don't come back to Colorado. Right. Yeah. Okay. They still have the, the yeah, they still have the two home games in their hip pocket. Oh, oh I, I get what you're saying now. All right. I'm yeah. with you now. Yeah. 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 I, I, I swear I, I do research before this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. I just plug it into the rundown, whatever. We'll just, we'll talk right. about it. We'll get to it eventually. Right. That's right. Um, what I've noticed most in this series and uh, with, with Colorado and with Florida, uh, it was really apparent between games two and games three, or game two and game three. Uh, what I noticed in game two, Colorado seemed really, really undisciplined. They took really stupid penalties at very inopportune times. There were, twi- there were two times in, during the game that in game two that Colorado took a penalty that cut short one of their power plays. And that that's in a championship series, that's something you just can't do. You got to take advantage of everything that, that comes your way. You go on the power play. You got to keep that, you know, until you either score or until time runs out. You, you can't cut these short. And it, it came back to bite them in the butt. Uh, they, they fought back and forth. It seemed like Florida had an answer for everything that Colorado threw at them. And, uh, you know, with about under a minute left in the game, Florida went, uh, scores the game winner and uh, they're going out to Florida for the next three games uh, series tied at one when they very well could have been up uh, two games to nothing going into the, right. the series in Florida um, yeah. game two, they seem to be a little bit more disciplined. They did not take the stupid penalties. Um, again, they're, they're facing a really tough team in Florida who can score with Colorado, Colorado scores, Florida can score right back. Uh, we saw that as they went into overtime and uh, Colorado eventually got the game winner uh, to take the series lead in this one. Um, so, so Lou, uh, yeah. besides, um, 
you know, besides your point, uh, is, is there anything else that, that we need to be uh, taking out of this Kelly Cup? I know it's Colorado's last chance at a Kelly Cup as they move to the AHL next year. Um, is there anything that we need to be uh, looking forward to for the rest of this series? I, um, look, uh, the Everblades are not going to roll over. Uh, we've talked about them uh, the last uh, couple of ca- uh, podcasts. Uh, Florida has been one of those steady teams, them and the, um, the South Carolina, uh, the Carolina Stingrays. Uh, these are the two teams out of the East that have been steady over the years. Florida's not going anywhere. I, I can't imagine that they won't tighten this up uh, at least with one win on home ice before it goes back to uh, go back to Colorado. And the Eagles have just, uh, look, they have been a steady force um, in, the, in the Western Pro League when they came in, then into the CHL and now the ECHL. Uh, this has been one of those steady organizations over the years. And I, you're seeing the ECHL has got, I think, the two best organizations. Maybe not the two best teams out of this season, but the two best organizations, I think, are, are fighting it out uh, for the Kelly Cup. Yeah, they're, they're, they're putting on one heck of a show. Uh, I got to watch game two up in uh, Loveland back on Sunday, and it was, it was, uh, it was a blast. Uh, it was very entertaining. Again, like I said, a very high-scoring uh, back-and-forth game the entire time. Uh, it, just, it, was, it was a very entertaining game, whether you're a, a fan of the Everblades, a fan of the Eagles. Uh, didn't matter. It was, they just, they put on a great show. Um, so that, that does it for the ECHL. They're, they're solidly in their, their Kelly cup final. Uh, let's take a look over at the AHL in their playoffs. They have the Calder cup. That's about to start on Saturday. We have the Toronto Marlies versus the Texas stars. Uh, the Marlies don't look like they're having much trouble with any of their opponents recently. Uh, Lou, what do you think? Uh, I had a chance to talk to Steve Rusin, who's our photojournalist in uh, Lehigh Valley. And uh, what he was saying is, uh, I, I, I always root for the teams, um, if you can call it rooting. I, I root for teams or franchises that where we've got representation. And despite the fact that the Phantoms are the uh, Philadelphia Flyers um, AHL affiliate, <laughs> I was rooting for them just for Steve Rusin. Uh, but Steve said that uh, the the Marlies just impressed the heck out of him. Um, they just came in and mowed down the Lehigh uh, Valley Phantoms uh, four games to none, and it really wasn't a contest. Uh, that series was over quickly. Um, the games were over quickly. It's not like um, the Phantoms were pushovers. The Phantoms had one of their best seasons ever in uh, in the AHL. And yet the Marlies came in and just brushed them aside. Um, so there's that. And then uh, you've got Texas that just completely overwhelmed um, uh, Rockford Ice Hogs. Uh, you know, as we talked about the last, uh, the last podcast, the Ice Hogs came in having uh, been undefeated through seven uh, playoff games through the two series. And when we last talked, I think it was 2 nothing. I think. Uh, at that point, uh, Texas uh, wound up being a 4-2 seas, uh, series win for Texas. But um, again, Mitch Cooper is our, you know, fortunately, we've got Mitch who's, uh, <laughs> who's going to be with us just one more series and then he's done. <laughs> um, he's, he is, continues to be amazed at how well Texas has been playing. I do believe that's another 2-3-2 two, two series. Um 
you know, I think good money is on uh, Toronto to uh, to win the Calder Cup this year. Yeah, the, the way they both entered into the uh, into the final there, uh, definitely money would be on Toronto with the, the sweep of the Phantoms. Which, like you said, they were having their best season in the AHL and a very tough goaltender in Alex Lyon, who, if we remember against the Charlotte Checkers, posted 94 saves in a uh, quintuple overtime game. So, uh, you know, that, that wasn't much of a pushover as far as a netminder goes. Um, but I was looking at the, the results of the, the Texas Stars and the Rockford Ice Hogs, and I just wanted to bring up the Ice Hogs because I can, and I love their name. Uh, but it, they, they took a 3-0 series lead, and it took them three more games to finally wrap up the series. They, they had trouble down the stretch with the Ice Hogs, and I'm wondering if that's, you know, going to mess with them a little bit going into the, uh, into the final against Toronto. I think what it does is it points out some of the weaknesses in the in the Texas uh, in the Texas game, um, and and it points up what uh, Mitch was saying before the uh, the Western Conference Final got started. He was under he just felt like Texas had been doing it with smoke and mirrors, and you know maybe the Ice Hogs and I'll say it because I can say it for you um, <laughs> that um, uh, Toronto now has a game plan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If if there was any time for uh, Toronto to pay attention to what happened to their opponents there, it was it was that series right there, um, especially the, the, the final three games, even though, you know, Texas did manage to edge out in in six games. Uh, it took them four overtime games in that series to finally wrap that up. Uh, so it was a very hard fought game between Rockford and between Texas. Uh, looking forward to uh, what comes in the Calder Cup final. Um, anything else we need to be on the lookout for, uh, Lou? Um, no, but, uh, you know, you, you're talking about the Ice Hogs. Uh, let's not forget that there used to be the uh, Iowa Chops. Oh. Based out of Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Another how reason. You, how can you not be interested? You know, the Ice Hogs are one thing, but come on, the, the, the Iowa Chops. And it used to be a pig was the logo. A pig's head was the logo. <laughs> You got to love the age. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Uh, oh, I, 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 you know, I, as, as far as minor league team names go, my ultimate favorite across all sports is going to be the Binghamton Rumble Ponies who play minor league baseball for the New York Mets. Yep. Uh, and I believe uh, Tim Tebow is playing for them right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, yes, the uh, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, uh, just, I think that's a fantastic nickname for yeah. any minor league team. Anyway, uh, yeah, so sorry to disrupt you, uh, uh, send us off on a tangent there. But, uh, you know, I think that this could be one of the this could be one of those years where all three of the of the top minor of the of the top hockey leagues have really entertaining finals. Um, regardless of the of the Texas Stars chances or the Marley's chances, I think that's going to be a good series. And the, I think this Eagles and Everblades series is turning out to be one of those ECHL classics. Yeah. No, I, I look forward to the remainder of those games. Yeah. And uh, given what I've seen in the first few games between those two, I am not going to be surprised if it goes the full seven games. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I want a quick point too. That is uh, something that, that shouldn't be overlooked is that the uh, like Toronto has won uh, nine games in a row in the past, the two sweeps, and they won their last game right. first round. They've now won nine in a row. And like you guys were saying, when they beat the uh, uh, Phantoms who aren't, who are having a, a great year 
and who have the number one prospect goalie in Lions. Um, and even though it took them, you know, like two and a half days to beat them that one game, they still took them down in nine wins in a row, carrying that momentum over a team, a Texas team that has just been, uh, you know, they're, they've been doing great too, but they haven't been showing as much dominance lately. I think it's going to be a good series, but I could see Toronto winning this 4-1. Yeah, let's look at their their sweep of uh, of Lehigh Valley. Uh, looks like, uh, you know, 4-3 win game one, 3-2 game win game two in overtime. Uh, they had a dominating game three, 5 nothing against Lehigh. And then uh, they cap off the series with a 3-1 victory over Lehigh. Um, so... The first two games, definitely not extremely dominant, but it looks kind of as if uh, they wore the Phantoms down the stretch there, especially in game three with the, with the 5 nothing shutout. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, with without that one game there, there, there was nothing extremely dominant about that series between the Marlies and the Phantoms. So we'll see uh, what they can carry into the championship game. Uh, as we move from the minor leagues over into the um, well, into the higher ranks, into the NHL, we have the Stanley Cup going on. We have a very exciting series between uh, the Golden Knights and the Capitals. Uh, we have uh, some interesting storylines coming out of it. Uh, first one I kind of want to bring up, and uh, it's uh, something that I think everybody's been waiting for when this series started. Alex Ovechkin to get his very first Stanley Cup goal. Uh, didn't come in game one, came in game two. Uh, and no surprise, it came off the power play from Ovi's favorite spot, the left circle on the goalie. Um, I don't know, it was a beautiful pass. Uh, I don't know if you guys happen to catch it. It's just, to me, it, I, I, I want to say it was routine, as in he scores pretty much 100% of the time from that spot, given the same feed. But there was nothing really routine about it. It was it, it was pure excitement for me. Uh, Lou, I don't know how you felt about that one. Uh, the, the pass across the uh, across the crease was just—I'm sorry—it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and it was right in the wheelhouse. Um, um, uh, all uh, Ovechkin had to do was really get down on the on the right knee in order to get that thing home, and uh, that was—it uh, was just a stunning goal. It was a stunning pass that he finished off. Yeah, uh, Danny, your your thoughts? Uh, do you think? Um... You know, Ovi should have been involved in the offense a little bit uh, earlier in the series. Or, uh, I mean, do you think this? Uh, I mean, obviously that was the right time for him to score. But uh, I mean, do you think uh, they should have worked more to get him more involved in the offense earlier in the series? No, I think they did. It was just that the uh, Golden Knights did a great job of defending him in his office the first game, uh, and it really goes to show in the second game when he got his first goal. Um, he wasn't, you know, at the top of the circle where he likes to hang. He was, he was creeping down low. And he caught uh, whoever the, – the Golden Knights were playing like a diamond. Whoever, whoever's on the right side completely let Ovi go behind him because he thought he would be at the top of the circle in his office. Ovi crept down a little bit. And then, as uh, Lou, you were saying, he just kind of – he just, you know, taps it in with the with, – he just puts his right knee down. And I think that makes it even more uh, kind of incredible is just because that – I don't think that was an easy goal. He just made it look that easy. Because when the pass comes across, you know, if you if for people that play hockey, when the puck comes sort of like in the middle, like to your, to your left skate, and if you're a righty, you kind of you, like your hands come into your gut a little bit, and you sort of have to. It's not just like a one timer; you sort of have to edge out your blade. And he did that, and he was able. And Flurry still got a piece, but he did that. He was still able to one time it. Still a hard shot, and it went in, and he made it look so easy. Um, and it, I think you just have to be 
so happy for the guy. It's just like, as you know, I don't, I don't like the Capitals, but every time you see him celebrate, every time you see him in agony, it's just like, but it's like you really feel for the guy. And he's, he's just like a really big kid that just gets really excited and just wants to win this game. Uh, so I think that goal was great for him. And I think that was uh, a lot bigger than people are even making out to be. Yeah. And he is one of the major faces of the, of the, not only the franchise, but of the league, uh, both him and Crosby, as soon as they came into the league, uh, they've been the face of hockey. And we all know that Crosby has had just enormous success with the Penguins. And Ovi is, you know, basically falling short of the Penguins every year in the playoffs. So uh, to finally see him to get up to the level to, to play for the cup and to finally get a goal in the Stanley Cup final, uh, I don't know. To me, I, I kind of equate it to, you know, the, the longtime player who who never could win the cup and finally does. He hasn't quite yet, but that's a step in the right direction for him. He's had a phenomenal career, and I think this is just one more thing to, to kind of notch off his checklist. Um, but, I mean, you know, this, this guy's just a he, – he's a goal scorer. He, that, that's what he does. He is, um, he's 100% from that, that spot. And, I mean, like you said, it wasn't the, the top of the circle where he normally is, but, I mean, that, that's, that's his zone right there in the, on the power play. So, and I think um, the important part of getting up with him against Crosby and everything, it was he's in the cup because they beat the Penguins. Exactly, yeah. Get over that hurdle. You know, if you just play uh, – like, well, they beat the Blue Jackets and then um, – like if the Flyers won, and then if you were to beat the Flyers, you know people could still say it's like, oh, you still haven't got that monkey off your back. Right now, playing the Golden Knights, they would probably still be talking about how he didn't have to play Crosby. Yeah, that demon was slayed. Now it's like, all right, we're focusing on the Stanley Cup. We're not even talking about Crosby. He's done. He's at home now. Like this is Ovi's time to, and he's been kicking into the next gear. I mean, he just looks like an absolute machine throwing his body around. He's still able to to, to snipe corners from his office. I mean, he's looking great right now. And I've been waiting for the Capitals to, you know, for the exhaustion to catch up to them because they have been on a really good roll recently. I've, I've been waiting for them to fade down the stretch, but I think they've been rejuvenated by that series against Pittsburgh. They finally got past their division rival and their roadblock every single year in the playoffs to finally make it to the cup. So, uh, you know, kudos to the Capitals. I am, I'm, I'm excited they're there. I didn't expect them to be there, but you know, uh, given the way I've picked my games this season, I'm, you know, typically wrong about these things. Um, Lou, uh, what have been, what have you noticed the most? Um, I'm, let's, let's look at the, uh, the series, the first two games that, that we've seen so far between these two teams. Uh, what have you noticed the most between games one and two? What, what is the biggest difference you've seen between those two games? Um, the two games are mirror images of each other. Um, uh, the Caps had a chance to tie the game late in uh, in game one. Was it Eller who missed mm-hmm. uh, missed the wide open net? The puck was just, he just got his stick to it too late. I think he was back checked um, by the defenseman and, and he just couldn't get his stick on the ice fast enough. And then you had uh, last night, uh, Alex Took uh, had the opportunity to tie it, uh, if not for Holtby, uh, making that paddle save uh, last night. And then what happens? Uh, so neither game goes to a tie, and, and, they, and each of those late goals would, uh, would have scored, would have forced probably overtime. Uh, neither team probably would have scored the rest of the way in regulation. And, and then you've got an opportunity where one or the other team could be up 2 nothing today instead of uh, the series being tied 1-1. I, what I saw in the first game was 
that it was really a continuation of the last two games of the Tampa Bay series for the Caps. To me, that's when Ovechkin and the Capitals turned the season around for themselves. It's not that they came back from a 3-2 deficit. It's that they won two, those two games with, a, with an attitude difference. And, and they have continued that attitude into these, first, in these, into these first two games. I don't think the Caps are afraid of the Knights. And, and you can see it in, 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 in the attitude uh, after goals are scored. Uh, Ove- you know, Danny just said it. Uh, it's the agony and, and, the, and the joy of scoring or not scoring that you see in Ovechkin. I, th- I think for the first time watching him through his entire career, the emotions are real, mm-hmm. Danny, don't you think? Yeah, I, he really uh, advertises it, and he really just emotes when he's on the ice. You know, normally you see that if, if you lose the series, you see people like on one knee, some guys cry or something. And if you saw his reaction when Holpe made the save, I mean, it's like you see these other guys, they're cheering, they're hitting their sticks, and he's, he's sitting there, and he has this expression that, like, I'm sure so many diehard Capitals fans have, which is just like, holy, can we just get this, la- get this last minute? Like, what a save. What, can we just win right here? Like, it was just such a – like, right. he probably just pooped his pants right there, but he just really right. wants to get this. Right. And, and so, yeah, it's I, – I think that changed – uh, in the last two games of the Tampa series, but it really tracks back uh, to the Pittsburgh series. Um, Ovechkin scoring, I think, in that um, it was it the 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 deciding uh, game. It was just pure emotion, and you really have not seen that in his career. It's been cold and calculating. I think the other thing that's been different about this, at least the these first two games of the final, is that Ovechkin has some commitment to the defensive side. Uh, you know, Casey Romero, who's our beat writer for the Caps, uh, he lives out here in uh, in Albuquerque. I've gone around and around with him for years that, you know, Ovechkin, great scorer, but has no commitment to defense. Just look at his plus-minus rating. Um, um, it's just usually awful. Uh, but this year, he is using the body for the first time, I think, uh, with effectiveness. And so, uh, Richard, I think, you know, you're asking me what, what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing. I don't think the Caps are afraid of the Knights at all. Yeah, agreed. They, they've been coming at them all, uh, you know, both games have been coming at them hard. Um, but my, my biggest takeaway between games one and game, uh, game one and game two um, is not so much been the players on the ice, but the officiating. Game one, they seem to let players get away with a lot. And there, there were some non-calls that probably should have been called either way. Uh, there, you know, but there weren't any calls that were questionable. You know, no, the, the referee didn't call a penalty just, you know, uh, because they, they thought, oh, hey, that was a hook. I'm going to call that. And, you know, nobody would really question it. Um, there, there weren't really any penalties uh, to speak of for the most part in, in game one. Uh, game two, I saw a little bit more of um, – and uh, to go back on, you know, non-calls, you know, Revis's goal, you know, you know cross-checks the capital in, in front of the net and then scores a goal. And everyone's kind of like, you know, well, where was the penalty? Uh, we saw it in game two, referees, you know, were keeping an eye out for that a little bit more. And I, I believe kind of – even the playing field between the two teams, uh, so to speak. So my biggest takeaway between those two games is the referees are going to be looking more on 
you know, what's going on in front of the net, what's going on behind the play. And they're going to be keeping an eye on uh, some of these players like Revis, like Wilson, uh, who are starting to become uh, habitual offenders, at least in the first two games. Yeah, it kind of looks like uh, they're either – it's like they're, they're going game to game where they're just, all right, we'll let them play. And then there's public outcry. And they're like, all right, well, now we got to tighten it up. And it's like they're just going off of what the public opinion is and what the league's telling them to do. It's, you know, I feel like they should just settle on one way where it's like, all right, this is going to be physical, boys. Just, you know, protect yourselves. Or, hey, by the way, we're not going to let you get away with anything. It's almost like they just kind of play as they go. The refs really kind of haven't been consistent. Right. Um. Yeah, so um, that that that's been kind of what I've noticed um, in the game. What, let, let's go from you know the the biggest difference between the, the two games. What has been the biggest difference maker uh, from each side? Let, let's look at Vegas versus versus Washington. Who has been the biggest difference maker for each team? Danny, uh, what what have you seen in these first two games? Uh, well. Flurry, I think. Uh, both uh, both games were kind of high scoring, but um, I mean, if you break it down to just this series, then uh, then I, I'm not. Uh, that's not a definite. But Flurry's just been so good these entire playoffs that uh, even if they lose this series, he should still be considered the the uh, consummate, or at least you know be well. Like I said, considered for the the top for a consummate trophy. He's been uh, just making these miraculous saves that, but it's just so consistently. So I think right now he'd be the biggest difference maker for Vegas, and it's it's uh, it's happened before when um, the I remember the Devils beat who was it the the Ducks I want to say in the Stanley Cup, and yeah. uh, Jean Sebastian Zogier won the Conn Smythe Trophy. He was a losing goalie, but he played that so well that that whole playoffs that he still won the Conn Smythe. Um, and I think he might have been the last person to do it. Don't fact check me, but he might have been the last one to all <laughs> losing. But it like it's and I don't so I think since then it really hasn't happened, but. Um, Flurry at least deserves a serious, serious look, uh, win or lose. So I'd say he's the, the biggest difference maker for, for Vegas. And then on the on the cap side, um, as unfortunate as it is, it's been Kuznetsov. Uh, so that was just a huge blow with, with his injury going down. But I would say right now that you know he's he's quietly has like an eleven game point streak. Uh, it's like every time they score, he's just he's been in the mix, and he's not just dishing these. Uh, he's not these. He's getting like the primary assist, or if he's the secondary assist, he made, he's the one that made like a brilliant out, a breakout pass that some guy happened to chip it to Ovi or something. He's really been in the mix. He's been physical, which he hasn't been so many years in the past. He's a little bit bigger. Uh, I think he's, he's just been kind of crazy. He's been everywhere. Yeah. Um, Lou, how about you? Who, who are the biggest difference makers on each side for you? Uh, first game, uh, the, the difference makers, and I'm going to use the plural, uh, was the fourth line for uh, the Knights. Uh, they had three goals um, in the win. And, you know, when you've got the fourth line coming in and, and, and scoring, now you've got some real problems uh, on the defensive side to try and you, you've got to pay attention to all the other three lines. But now, you know, a checking line comes out and puts the puck in the net. So they were the real difference in, in game one. Uh, game two, it was Lars Eller for me. Um, he comes in uh, as a substitute and uh, does his job. And that alone uh, frees up Ovechkin to get the goal, uh, to get the second goal of the game, uh, uh, second goal for, for the Caps in the game. Um, that loosens up uh, him in, in his office, if you will. If Lars Eller is not having a good game, 
now all of a sudden you you've got the knights who can cheat and and put a put a, a body over on Novechkin, but they can't because now Eller is, is uh, playing well. So uh, he was my difference maker in game two. All right. Um, yeah, I, I think you guys nailed it on the head. Uh, my difference makers were obviously uh, Flurry for the Golden Knights. He is he's played really well. Uh, there's been a, a few bad ones, especially in game two that got past him. Uh, but overall, he's played really well in the playoffs. Uh, nothing really seems to phase him at this point. So um, he's he's just he's he's a good leader for that team. He's got the most playoff experience on that team. Uh, I think he he's a great fit for what Vegas is trying to do. And Lou, you touched on it. Uh, my biggest difference maker for the Capitals was Lars Eller, who had the assist on the Ovechkin goal. He was the one who fed it to him uh, across the crease. Um, it, this this isn't the first time Eller's has or Eller has come in to play. Uh, kind of a role for an injured player. Uh, Kuznetsov, of course, goes out in game two. Eller comes in, has a goal and two assists on the night. Uh, but if we look back into the series against Tampa Bay, remember they went into it with Backstrom being hurt with a, uh, I don't think it was officially a broken hand, but with a hand injury. And uh, Eller comes in and in four games, two goals, two assists. So he, he's productive when he needs to be and when he needs to fill a spot that could be tough to fill uh, for a very offensively heavy team like the Capitals. Um, and uh, just uh, on, on a side note here, uh, I know you told me not to do this, Danny, but I did fact check you. You are correct. Jean-Sebastien Jaguer oh. was the last player to win uh, a Conn Smythe trophy as a member of the losing team. The last player to do it before him, Ron Hextall for the Philadelphia Flyers back in 87. Jeez. So <laughs> it's been a while. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often because it's, I mean, obviously the team that wins, you know, there's, there's always one huge standout and you're like, yeah, it makes sense to give it to him. But sometimes when they win, it's because it's such a team effort and not one stands out and everyone does their part. And then sometimes the losing team, it's like, wow, where would they have been without? And in the Ducks case, you know, it was Jiggy, but there's been a couple of years where even when they lose, it's like, oh yeah, you take away, you just you take away the goalie and they probably don't even make it out of the first round. So I'm just a bit uh, surprised it doesn't happen just a little bit more often. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so as, as we're talking about a few, you know, past San Stanley Cups here, um, I'd like to, to, you know, just express my opinion here that I, I think we are guaranteed that this is going to be a very memorable Stanley Cup final. Not only do we have two teams that have never won the Cup before, but we have an expansion team who has seemed to have done the impossible and gone on to you know, make it to the Stanley cup final. The, of course, the only other team to make it to the Stanley cup final in their inaugural season, the St. Louis blues, but we touched on it on the first line last week. It was a little, um, a little skewed for them to make it there. All the expansion teams in the second six, uh, were in one division, the original six were in the other division. So it was a guarantee expansion team in. So, um, but th this was one, this was a team who came in. They're the 31st team in the league. Uh, they, you know, it's not like it was set up for them to win. They, they had to fight hard. They had to put together a good team. So right now, this is going to be a very memorable Stanley Cup final, no matter how it plays out. And it looks like it's going to play out to be a really good series. But it got me thinking, what has been the least memorable Stanley Cup final in the last 20 years? I want to get your guys' opinion. Lou, last 20 years, which one was just totally forgettable? 
Oh, that one's easy. Dallas Stars and Buffalo Sabres. Oh, really? Uh, yes, 19... 19- yeah, ni- uh, 1990, uh, ni- 1999, I just, the only thing memorable about it was uh, Brett Hall's phantom goal. Or, I was going to say, should have been called the grease. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I, there, that was a series that was a yawner from the beginning. Oh. Looking back to the last 20, and, <laughs> and you know, the, the, the only other one that really comes close was uh, Carolina and Edmonton. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I don't know. I, I got to disagree with you on the Dallas Stars okay. one. I think that was an extremely memorable Stanley Cup final. Maybe it's because that was right around the time I was getting deep into hockey, but that was an yeah. extremely memorable final for me. And it, it all had to be around Dominic Hasek and the the show that we got to see him put on. We got to learn about him having a slinky for a spine. It's, you know, that that's just what... It was okay. It was at least it was memorable to me. Danny, what do you think? Ninety nine, memorable or not? Yeah, that is memorable. Um, and I feel like uh, an argument to make it memorable is uh, as I'm as I'm twenty seven, and I and I remember that one. I remember watching that okay. series, and I was like nine. Um, so I think it might be a little memorable. But I do like your pick for the uh, Hurricanes over the Oilers. Um, I feel like it wasn't. I mean, it was big just because it was it was Carolina. Um, I think it was their first Stanley Cup. Oh, no, no, well, not appearance, but it's their first Stanley Cup victory. Yeah. Right. Um, and it just, I don't know, it was like like Rob Brindamore got his, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And then they, they kind of went right back to irrelevancy quite quickly, um, which I, th- helped, I think helped make it more relevant. But this might not be popular uh, opinion, but I think for me, it might have actually been a couple years ago when um, the Blackhawks beat the Lightning, strictly because it was the Blackhawks' third and sixth. It's, you know, they're doing the uh, the dynasty thing that, the Kings and Penguins are doing. It's just another one of those. It's like, oh, do we really have to sit through another Blackhawks? And then they won a couple of games. You're like, oh, they are going to win, aren't they? And the Lightning, if I remember, they didn't have Stamkos for that series, or maybe it was just earlier in the playoffs. But, um, I mean, I was rooting for the Lightning. They uh, they just weren't getting it. And then, you know, once it's it's 3-2 and it goes back to Chicago, and you're like, oh, they're going to do it again, aren't they? And then they won, and, and, to off, and then you just yeah. wait for the, the draft. Yeah, and, and Ben Bishop. Ben Bishop got hurt in that series as well. Yeah, that was right. It's, oh, that's right. And you could tell it was a serious injury. Like it was like a serious groin injury, and he's yeah. still out there like making splits. And you know, you can almost tell that it was killing him. And he yeah. still he had a great series. But um, I mean, he, like a fully full healthy Ben Bishop, and it's like the scores are closer. It, maybe it goes the extra game seven. Um, I just felt like everyone kind of saw that the Lightning were really really banged up. Uh, they played the uh, the Rangers a series before, and that went seven. So that's gonna bang them up. And uh, I don't know, like I said, Chicago won, and it's like, all right, well, we're on to the next one. They just won their third in six years. Let's do something right. else. Yeah, yeah that um, di- dynasties get a little old with me really, really quick. Uh, it, it's um, especially when you have like two or three of them going on at the same time. It's it's not much fun to watch. And I, I equate that back to the NBA and what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the same two teams compete for the championship for the fourth consecutive year. What's the fun in watching that? You know, why do you even play a, a series at that point? Or not a series, but a, a season at that point. You know who's going to go to the playoffs. You know who's going to win. Um, you know, just have them play for the championship to start the season and uh, be done with it. Um, oh, so I, what's your series? What's so your... I, I will – I'll touch base on your guys'. Uh, I, I agree with the Carolina Hurricanes. That was an extremely forgettable 
series for me. And I, I don't think it's just because, um, you know, it's two teams, two low market teams that don't seem to get a lot of coverage. But I think it was because it was right after the strike year. And there were a lot of fans that were really, really slow to come back to hockey because they just lost an entire season. 2005 was completely gone. No cup awarded. And uh, Tampa Bay got to be the defending champs for two years. Um, I, the one I would like to forget is 2013 and the Chicago Blackhawks beating the Bruins. Um, and I have a, a story. I'll go right into this. I actually have a story behind this. Um, I have a friend who is also an avid listener of this podcast. So Alex, I'm going to, I'm directing this right at you. Um, I was over at his house watching game six of the, the Blackhawks game when Boston was up two goals with about three minutes left in the game. And um, the most infamous words come out of my friend's mouth. And that is, oh, you guys got it. That is the worst <laughs> term to ever say when there's a close game, because in the next minute and a half, Chicago goes on to score three goals and wins the game and wins the series. So that's one I would like to forget. But yeah. my most forgettable series We'll go back to 1998 and the Detroit Red Wings defeating the Washington Capitals, not because it was the Red Wings and Capitals, but because it was a sweep. Yeah. And sweeps are just no fun to watch. And yes, the last two cups before that were also sweeps, again, for the Red Wings and then for the Colorado Avalanche. But yeah, I can't do sweeps. Um, I, it's, it's not fun to watch as a fan, it, it, nope. even as a neutral party, you, you want to see at least some competition in the championship. And if you don't get that, it's, it's no fun to watch. Yeah. That's only really exciting for the winning team. Like not even, it, there's no neutral party that's saying like, Oh, well, you know, it's still good hockey. It's like, no, I, you want to see close games. You want to see them going back to the other town, like only down one, or it's like, Oh, they need this. You know, next thing you know, it's three Oh, almost instantly. You're like, all right, well, that was fun. Yeah, and I don't even—I don't think a team would actually admit this, but I—I I think it's more exciting for a team to, even as a player, to win Game Seven on a final goal, than it is to complete the sweep. I mean, you get some gratification completing the sweep. There's never any pressure that oh, you're going to lose the series. But I don't know. To me, I would rather have game seven come down to the wire and have a really good series. Even as a player, I would want to play under that pressure just to know I can rather than defeating some team and being like, Hey, we got a trophy. Hooray. All right. Next season. Yeah. Well, it's, that's easy to say when it's not the New York Rangers for Danny and me, but. Um... <laughs> yeah. I was just um... going to say, I would gladly take a very boring four games. Week, just get it done and have it over. Um, yeah. But I mean, I know what you're saying, but I would just just yeah. yeah. Um, it, I, I'm I'll, I'll toss this out to you guys too. We'll go last twenty years one more time. Most memorable, excluding this year, most memorable series. Which one is just comes off the top of your mind, Lou? Um, I think it's the the Kings and Devils uh, in 2012, and we've we covered that uh, series in LA and we had somebody in Jersey at the time. Um, it, it was just, uh, I, I really enjoyed that, that, that Stanley cup final. We've been going, we've been credentialed as pro hockey news since, uh, 
2009 now. Uh, but that, that 2012 series was really fun for us. Um, um, this, the second was really last year, uh, the Penguins and uh, uh, Predators. Uh, the Nashville crowd is by far, uh, that is the loudest building we've ever been in. And it was an exciting series. So those games in Nashville were really terrific. Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that and just thinking, oh, <laughs> what would it be like only if I were there? I just, yeah. I, I can't imagine just how crazy the fan base was. Yeah. Uh, Danny, most memorable Stanley Cup for you? Um, I think the most memorable is it might have been actually the uh, when the Lightning won in 04. And I'm probably only saying this because I have a lot of family from Tampa. So, I mean, I was still a Rangers fan, but I also, you know, on the side, like I was happy enough when the Lightning won, even uh, like when the Buccaneers in football won, it's like, oh, this is nice because like I got a lot of family there. And then as the Lightning got better and better, I mean, I, my mom and I were watching just like cheering and St. Louis was the most cheerable player at the time. Just, he's just like so scraggly and he was just this little guy that was just making these grown men, these like, you know, six foot four grown men just look like little children. It was, uh, again, just easy to root for. And the, this team hasn't won yet. Um, it was a great went went seven games. That place was, was roaring. And when you get a place like Tampa Bay, it's not huge hockey. And they kind of go back to not being that big in hockey when they're bad. It's always great when they're able to get this sort of uh, publicity and they really get the fans rallying around them. Um, so I think that might have been uh, uh, one of the, the bigger ones for me. There have been a lot of good ones lately. But yeah. going back, that might have been it for me. That That is a good one. Um, for me, um, I'm going to have to go back to 2001. And listeners, before you start shutting off the podcast and saying, oh, it's because you're in Colorado. I wasn't in Colorado at that point. But it has everything, to, not, not so much to do with the team, but everything to do around one player. And that is probably the second greatest defenseman of all time, only behind Bobby Orr. And that is Raymond Bork, a guy who spent 20 years in the league without a Stanley cup who played very hard for Boston for 19 years, 18 and a half seasons gets traded to Colorado because Boston knows they're not going to be a cup contender. Colorado is going to be a cup contender 2001. Finally, for the first time in his career and for the last season of his career, was able to hoist the Stanley Cup. And Sackick was the captain of that team. Sackick gets the cup, doesn't even bother raising it, takes it directly over to Raymond Bork, has him lift it for the first time. And I got to say, it it brought tears to my eyes because he was one of my favorite players of all time. He's just, he seems like just like a, a class act, uh, a guy who's not going to get in too much trouble off the ice uh, and just a real approachable person. So um I was very happy for him at that point, and that was just one of my uh, favorite favorite moments in Stanley Cup history, at least that I got to witness. Um, so both so, of you guys chose when they beat the Devils. Oh, yeah, exactly. I, I had to choose when they beat the Devils because that was, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now, come on, who, who couldn't have been happy for Ray Bork after the 2001 Stanley Cup? Yeah, oh, great. Yeah. I, it, it, hey, listen, just, I've got a signed stick of his. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I've got a Ray Bork and a Gretzky stick. Oh, nice. Two, two fantastic players uh, in the history of the league. Uh, again, Ray Bork, there can be arguments for him to be the greatest defenseman of all time. Uh, most people will say he's the second right behind Bobby Orr. Um, so as we 
decide to transition out of NHL news and we start to come back towards our home base of ProHockeyNews.com. we got a lot going on right now. Uh, Lou, I'm going to let you take this away. We have uh, something going on ahead of the NHL draft. Right. Uh, Brian Jennings, who was on the show a few weeks ago. Um, uh, Brian leads our draft, our mock draft uh, coverage. Uh, we started yesterday. I typically try and start it just ahead of the Stanley Cup final because of the, the days off and lack of coverage and uh, game reports. So we've started uh, publishing those out. Um, and we've got Buffalo at the number one pick and the Carolina Hurricanes at number two. Uh, both teams, according to Brian, have gone overseas, uh, Norway and Sweden, for uh, picks. One, uh, uh, Buffalo went defensive, and uh, Carolina went with uh, pure goal scorer. Um, so we are off and running with the, with the picks. We have typically done very well um, um, in the first round. Uh, one year, we were, God, we were among the top uh, mock draft results. Um, but you know, once the trading starts happening, then then your picks just blow up. And uh, the past couple of years, some trades have happened uh, <laughs> uh, in the middle of the first round, and that's really kind of blown things up. But Danny, uh, you've got the Rangers, right? Yeah. So it's. I mean, I'm gonna. I have three different articles I'm gonna be writing, and I have a feeling that yeah. it's gonna be the a little irrelevant there. I think they're gonna make some moves. But yeah, as of now, I have three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All so, right. Yeah, we're off and running there, Brian Jennings. Brian does an absolutely spectacular job of pulling this uh, mock draft together every year. Yep. Uh, kudos to you, uh, Brian, for holding it down for another year of our mock draft. Um, look forward to uh, picking for the Colorado Avalanche at the number 16 pick. I got a little ways to go, and uh, I'm sure yeah. all of my picks are going to be irrelevant by the time we even get to number 10. <laughs> um, so as, as, as we said, you can find all those articles on ProHockeyNews.com. If you have any feedback for us here on the podcast, anything you want us to discuss, anything you want us to look into, or just anything in general you'd like to let us know, you can email us, podcast at ProHockeyNews.com, or you can tweet us at PHN underscore podcast. I finally got that down, Lou. I feel so proud yeah. of myself. Yeah. Um, so as we like to end every episode of the Pro Hockey News podcast, we go into our parting thoughts. These are things that are just on our mind. They can be sports related. They could be hockey related. They could be anything we want to say. Uh, you got a couple of minutes to speak what's on your mind. Danny, as the guest of honor, I am going to start with you. Sure. Just one quick thing. And that's um, Washington, since the dawn of time, has always, has always just been run amok. And they've always been letting me down. But if they don't engrave that Holt be safe, in the reflecting pool at the Lincoln Memorial until the end of time. And they have truly, truly let America down. That is all. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Um, Lou, I don't know how you're going to follow that up. Um, I'm going to follow it up as a segue from, uh, from you over the last couple of weeks uh, with uh, Einstein. It reminded me, Einstein bagels reminded me of a couple of things over the last couple of weeks. I really want people to get my order right. Um, uh, the other day I wanted a, <clears throat> I went in and got a tuna salad on, I wanted on a plain bagel. What I got was tuna salad on a, on a sunflower brioche, not even close. Uh, and then the, the aforementioned blue grasshopper uh, pizza place and microbrewery here in town 
we ordered a uh, pizza with uh, uh, bacon and green olives and got bacon and green chili. You know, I just want my order right. <laughs> That's it. Just get my order right. That just listen to me. That's all. You know what? I, 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 I maybe it's just being removed from New Mexico for too long. But anytime I order something and it comes back with green chili, I'm excited. So I, I'd be, I'd be stoked for that. Uh, yeah. But yes, uh, Einstein bagels and Blue Hopper. Uh, if you want us to speak highly of you on this podcast, you might want to get Lou's order right. Uh, Lou, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, best place is uh, at Pro Hockey News. That's uh, that's where I answer everything. Danny, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, Danny underscore P Jones. All right. And anybody who's looking to get a hold of me, if you didn't happen to catch the beginning of the podcast, you can find me at Cote14er underscore PHN. My parting thought is actually kind of a happy thought. I just want to say an early congratulations to my friends, Maggie and Cassie. Uh, they will be tying the knot next weekend. I will be out in Crested Butte attending their fabulous wedding. I uh, just want to say congratulations to you too. I am happy for you too. And I look forward to seeing you next weekend. For Lou Lafredo out in Albuquerque and Danny Jones out in New Jersey, this is Richard Cote saying, I will see you next week. <laughs>